Friends, the holidays are upon us and Christmas shopping needs to be finished and you're probably not finished because neither am I. Well, I've got a great place for you to look up. Check out Enadina Artesanía Mexicana on Facebook and Instagram for all your cool Mexican artisanal needs. They've got purses, they've got Christmas decorations, they've got jewelry, all handcrafted by Mexican artisans and shipped right to your door. Check them out by searching up Enedina, E-N-E-D-I-N-A, Artesanía Mexicana. I'm sure if you misspell it, it'll come up either way. Um, check them out. Order online. They even do a live Facebook sale on Monday nights at 5 or 7 p.m., depending. They announce it. You should definitely check it out and shop live. It's a great experience. It really it's a rush, let me tell you. I love it. I'll see you there. Shop small. Hello, Space Makers. Sarah popping in here to say that I have the solution to all of your holiday gift needs. Or maybe if you yourself just need a bold earring for a holiday happy hour Zoom meeting, you can get incredible earrings made by my co-host Josie at her Etsy shop at shop.thej. And during this holiday season, you can use the code FILTHYANIMAL to get 20% off. So make sure that you check that out. She's got everything from earrings to necklaces to barrettes. I know you'll find something that you're going to love or someone that you love will love. I know. Good morning. Welcome. Morning. Or afternoon or whenever you're listening to this, but it's morning for us. Welcome to the Making Spaces podcast, a podcast about making spaces literally and figuratively for yourself and others. I'm Sarah Heath, and this is my co-host... Josie in pajamas. Josie in pajamas, which rhymes with Imenes. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I love That's it. me. I just wanted um, everybody to know that I'm in my pajamas. Which is really fitting because this is um, releasing during the week of Christmas, um, which is just a seasonal. And later you'll find out that this is a very poignant um, and fitting uh, episode because it is about a pregnant teenager which is the Christmas story for those of you who, I don't know, even non-Christian people know the story, right? Yeah, virgin birth, Jesus, star, that one, the nativity scene. They know the general I mean, gist. You can Google it. It's, if, you know. I've noticed I'm, that a lot of people don't really dwell on the fact that she was a teenager, even like the Christians, you know. They're not like, yeah, Mary was 14, probably. Yeah, it is. It's. Well, because it's it's culturally different, and also, um, I think we like to give Mary this like uh, honor, which is great, but it's um, really hard for people to deal with the fact that like women have been married off at really young ages, and how inappropriate that is, and all the sort of like ins and outs of the story. It's not just you know, we, mm -hmm. we like to make the story into that like really pretty piece that we can put into the nativity scene, which is why I've loved this year looking at like really kind of graphic, if you will, versions of the nativity, even from like honest advent to like, we're doing this thing with uh, artist Scott Erickson, who actually was on the show called honest advent. And he like depicts women um, giving birth. And it's like, really kind of cool to like, look at the nitty and the gritty of what does what does a story hold for us if you're needing to move in and out of the idea of divinity or like the virgin birth part? Like, why is that so important? Is it important? Probably not. Like, there's all this really 
I mean, not probably not. It is important for some folks. It's just a very interesting like story if you dig into it a little bit. Yeah, I um to be fair, you know, people died at like 25 back then, so getting married early was probably a good idea. But yeah, she was 14 um and probably gave birth next to cow poop. I mean, yeah. Uh, fun fact, someone that we're having on in 2021 is a friend of mine who has been studying um, this idea that humans actually lived just as long. The reason that we think people didn't live as long is because the death rates were higher. And so it's this really interesting idea of like, um, we might have lived longer back in the day. So uh, like, just as a little teaser, 2021. 2021. Well, it's like they say like Noah lived to like a million and five or something like that. <laughs> I don't think it was a billion and five, but you're, you're the Bible scholar in our friendship. So it was like ridiculous, wasn't it? It was like a thousand or something. <laughs> I have a really important question to ask you. How are you going to be spending this Christmas? Mm, honestly, I have no idea. My We were going to go to my in-laws for Christmas Eve, but somebody in the house has COVID. Ooh. Yikes. Um. So probably not going to go there, which means I'll probably have to go to my parents' house, which means that I'm going to be bored out of my mind because we have really no love, traditions. <laughs> love that your family doesn't listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah. They don't know how to use their phones. They don't know what a podcast is. And even what if, if they, they did, hi, dad. <laughs> what if they discovered <laughs> it one day and they were like, whoa, she has a lot of feelings about us. Yeah. I mean, these are all things that I say to their faces. I don't, I always say I don't lie to my parents um, because- I don't want to have to keep track. I'm just blatantly honest and they're used to it now. Like when I um was, I don't always tell them up front, right? Like when I was moving in with Ryan, I was living in sin, everybody, just so everybody knows. I was walking out with all my stuff from my room for my parents' house. And I was like, are you going to go live with your boyfriend? I was like, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing I think people think you're so sassy. A lot of people will contact me and be like, your co-host is like so sassy and I love it because like you two are yin and yang but like <laughs> I love that she's just so honest I was like here's the thing about Josie Josie is Josie doesn't matter where she is who she's talking to you could be Beyonce and Josie would tell you what she thought oh a hundred percent it's like I have no fear of famous people or me because people are like don't meet your heroes and I'm like I'll meet them and I'll tell them exactly what I think about them <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are going to do kind of a family thing right uh yes yeah well because just... some people play board games some people with their family some people have like but you have zero traditions baking yeah we have no traditions so we're Is just like you and ryan around. have started making traditions well i think ryan grew up with traditions um slash he loves christmas he loves it and i just do not I don't like Christmas. I love that Ryan's been giving me um like he's like you should recommendations on Christmas movies cuz I like to say I'm a grinch but the truth is is like Christmas has just really hurt me over the years but I love like I love corny things. I like to pretend I'm someone who doesn't like oh I I hate Hallmark movies or whatever but the truth like the real truth is like no I just wish I lived in that. And so I'm a little sad that the Christmas movies aren't real because as a kid, I was like, this is what life is. You know, I grew up in like 
the snowy frozen tundra of Canada. And so I grew up with like the tiny little town. In fact, our town and the town next to us was featured in a Christmas movie last year called The Night Before Christmas, K-N-I-G-H-T. Um, oh my God. <laughs> uh-huh. And I nearly like bawled crying because I was like, I miss real Christmas because it's beautiful and as sunny as it is here. Like I miss that, like the lights on the snow and thinking like you needed to find someone to cuddle up with. Um, and so I think I like really love the idea of Christmas, uh, if not the reality of it. And I, so I love that Ryan lets me know like, oh, if you liked that movie and I'm like, I didn't like it. I did like it um yeah I did not grow up with cable so Hallmark movies I oh no Hallmark's me neither cable I did not watch any of those things and also I, we watched like the DVDs snow, so I know I hate even looking at the snow on the tv I'm like that looks awful that looks like the worst place to live I like, I like that living you love where you are I love that oh, yeah I'm my people I'm from also from a very not snowy part of Mexico so I was not bred for the snow, I like to say. I was bred for the sun. Well, um, why don't we, speaking of being bred, I don't know why that, this is not a good transition. (laughs) I don't even know. Breeding, Uh, pregnancy, same thing. Pregnancy. We are um, just so honored to have our next uh, guest. This conversation, I say it all the time, but it's one of my favorites. So Kathy, Reverend Kathy Cap, is one of my dear friends, uh, colleagues, um, sisters of the cloth. Uh, she has been uh, literally when I didn't have uh, anyone to celebrate Thanksgiving with because I had COVID. She brought me a bunch of flowers. She brought me wine and she brought me Thanksgiving dinner. She left her Thanksgiving dinner to bring me Thanksgiving dinner. So we didn't see each other. Obviously she just dropped it off on her steps, but, um, she is such a gift. So she was a pregnant teenager, um, in high school, uh, ended up going to a, uh, like a program that shelters, uh, teenage mothers. She ended up being a single mom, ends up becoming a social worker, ends up going to Princeton for grad school and just has this amazing capacity to make space for other people and to sort of, I don't know how to explain it, but she's so endearing and also so unaware that her story is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Well, I, she, think, I think she knows. I think she just likes to downplay it a little bit. Maybe like just sprinkle it in there. Um, dropping, as you said earlier, you're like, I just love how she drops little nuggets of her life and they're like bombs. <laughs> like, yeah. oh yeah. And then I became a social worker at the place where I had been you know, it's just such a, if you want to talk about the gospel is good news, uh, Kathy brings that everywhere. And she also helped us create our latest merch, which is a shirt that says less judgment, more empathy. Just a subtle little merch drop there. If you want to get merch, you can go to society com slash making spaces podcast. There's so many <laughs> cute things. Um, friends, sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation. You might want to take some notes because she really is a life changer. And also, we will catch you. I can't believe we're, I'm going to say this. We have one more episode in 2020. Mm, thank God. Bye, <laughs> 2020. I know. It's going to be such a great couple of episodes that we have but our next episode's great too so i'm excited about all of this but with it's no further ado a blast this is the reverend kathy cap
I think that I think that all of my life experiences, I mean, and, and so many that aren't even named, um, have really helped me to understand that even when your life looks put together on the outside, that doesn't always mean it is on the inside. And so to know that uh, there's more to one's story than the outer shell or the cover, right? Don't judge a book by the cover. Um, but I do judge wine by its bottle. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, I, and I think that having gone through so many difficulties, I mean, don't get me wrong. I My mom worked her tail off as a single mother to afford me living in a community that was you know, afforded me extracurricular activities. And yet I faced a lot of challenges and, and it was not always safe for me when I was a child. And so knowing those, having had those experiences helps me to maybe listen a little bit more to what happens between the lines mm. than what happens in the lines. And it, it also gives me empathy. Hi friends, welcome to the Making Spaces podcast, a podcast about making space both literally and figuratively for other people and yourself. I am one of the hosts, Sarah Heath, and this is my incredible co-host, Josie Jimenez. That's me. That's you. That is you. Uh, we often talk about how we don't know how to start a podcast, so I feel like that went well. Uh, yeah. I just want to start by giving us credit for that. All right. Today, we get to have one of my good friends, closest colleagues, confidants, she's the best, uh, Reverend Kathy Cap, who has an incredible story, an incredible career. She is a space maker for others. She also, guys, this lady was a social worker before she became a pastor, and uh, she has, she went to Princeton, no bigs. I mean, I went to Duke, so it's fine. Um, and she's just an incredible <laughs> she's just an incredible person that I'm excited to introduce other people to. She is absolutely inspiring. So this is the Reverend Kathy Cap. Kathy. Hello. Yes. Question for you. Where is one of your favorite spaces and why? Right now, my absolute most favorite space is my backyard. And there are quite a few reasons for this. One is that I just bought my first house at 47 years old. Thank you very much. And <laughs> I bought it during the pandemic. So take that 2020. And um, so it is the first place that is truly mine. It is also kind of like a paradise with hibiscus and birds of paradise and palms and birds and all sorts of creatures that don't realize that we're kind of in a shit show right now in 2020. Um, so that's really affirming. And it also is a place where I can dig my hands into God's creation and tend the earth and be part of that creation. And probably most of all, it is a space where our fire pit is so ginormous in size that it automatically builds in 
uh, social distancing. And so it has been a space where I can be in person with people in a safe environment with people I love, including yours truly, Sarah. It's true. And, I've, been there, uh, I've been there. It's good. It's a real good space. And it, it is a good space. So that is my favorite space for right now. I love that. So Kathy, how long have you been a uh, pastor? I don't know why I almost said quote unquote pastor. You're 100% a pastor. Not a sure pastor. why I was going to give that in. How long, as a woman, are we ever really pastor? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Kathy, yes. how, how long have you been a pastor? Uh, let's see. I graduated from seminary in 2013. We are in 2020. So that makes it seven years. Amazing. There you go. Seven years. That's yeah. a year of the wholeness. Uh, mm -hmm. And before that, you were a social worker. And what kind of work did you do? Uh, you know, what's funny is I was a social worker for 14 years. So I think everything I do is in like multiples of seven. And I never realized that until this moment. Um, so I was, uh, I did, I had many roles, but I worked with at-risk youth in the foster and probation systems in LA County. And I absolutely loved that job. Um, I worked all that time with one organization called St. Anne's and, and, you know, I have a, a lengthy relationship with that place. So it was my heart's joy to serve the, what people call the at-risk youth of Los Angeles County, but basically it's just the youth of Los Angeles County out of that organization. That's amazing. So, um, one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you is because your story is lit, like, so powerful and you're one of these people who just like releases a little nugget here and releases a little <laughs> nugget here and your space making for other people makes so much sense after hearing how you ended up getting to be a uh, social worker and then a pastor so um and Josie appreciates you because you're an Angelinan is that how you say it Angelino Angelino um so you did you grow up in Los Angeles I grew up in LA County, but uh, I grew up in uh, Pasadena area, South Pasadena. But your parents are from Minnesota. My dad was from Minnesota and my mom was from a rural place, so an hour west of Chicago. So they were odd ducks and they retired to Minnesota when I graduated from college, as you do. I mean, I actually don't blame them. Minnesota's gorgeous. Um, I love it. Uh, well, now she moved back. Right <laughs> so. now, she's, now she's living in Southern California. So you grew up and how did you end up finding out about the organization St. Anne's? Well, let's see. So I was 16 when I got pregnant and I actually got a job. My first job was at the Santa Anita racetrack. I worked in the gift shop and uh, nobody there knew I was pregnant and I didn't have morning sickness so much. I mean, I was nauseous all the time, but my uh, pregnancy ailment was that I fainted a lot and I kept fainting at work. And so I quit that job so that they didn't know I was pregnant. And my mom said, <laughs> you can do anything you want, but sit at home. And I already had taken the high school proficiency exam. And so uh, she found a place called Booth Memorial, which no offense to Booth, but I took a tour there and was like, mm -mm, nope, not going there. Uh, sure, they do amazing things, but that was not for me. At 16. And at 16. She, mm -hmm. she liked it because they offered emancipation for teenage pregnant women. And that's she thought would be a thing I wanted, I guess, but uh, or a thing that would be helpful for me, perhaps. And so I ended up finding about St. Anne's Maternity Home 
And I went with a friend to an orientation or an open house there and uh, met some of the social workers and some of the counselors and learned about their programs. And I thought that was a much better opportunity. So on January 2nd of 1990, I, they wanted me to move in the day after Christmas. I was like, hmm, no. <laughs> so I, I went in on January 2nd of 1990 and I lived with 95 other pregnant women, 21 and under, and took parenting classes and, and job training classes, a banking class, a computer class, all sorts of stuff and spent four months there. And then you had your son, Anthony, who is- I did. Um, he is a phenomenal human. Uh, he's a great bartender. Yes, he Just yes, he is. giving a yep. plug for yep. Anthony. <laughs> and he didn't come out a bartender though. That was, that's later in the story. Um, but <laughs> you found yourself- a funny story too. <laughs> right. You found yourself at 16 having to find your space because your mom said, you can, you can't stay here. And so you had to, like, I, this is the thing I love. We were preaching about Mary last week because it is the Christmas season. Um, and your story is, uh, so it was about vulnerability and about uh, the story of Mary. And you're like, yeah, I know what it was like to be a pregnant teenager. And she just keeps going. And my congregation <laughs> who didn't know Kathy, they were like, we were like, what's the story? <laughs> like, Here's this incredible woman. What does she mean? So your story is you had Anthony and then you had a decision to make because you had a high school degree, essentially? Yeah. So, so while I was at St. Anne's, I had a counselor. Uh, he was great and um, took some classes. And my mom, one of the things my mom said is you can choose which pastor, but you must tell one of our pastors what's going on and you must journey with them through this, which was great advice. So I told, told uh, I chose Noel Stevens, who was an associate pastor at Pastor the First, which is where I grew up. And he would come down to visit me in the visiting rooms of St. Anne's and he was just learning to play the guitar. So it was adorable that he would, you know, it was like being at camp only he was just learning how to do it. And in those visits, I had this experience of, of God's call into ministry and funny, we're just talking about Mary. Um, and I thought, God's got the wrong number. What on earth can God do with a single teenage pregnant girl. I don't know, change the world, whatever. <laughs> Whatevs. So I decided in that moment, um, and I really appreciated the work that my counselor, Steve, did with me. So when I left St. Anne's, which you do when you have your child, unless you give your child up for adoption, then you can go back for a couple of weeks. But at the time, it was a maternity home. And, um, and I told him then that I was going to come back and take his job. So I had decided that social work was going to be my area, my avenue of ministry. I would go to school and get my degree in that and go back and work at St. Anne's, which is exactly what happened. Uh, five and a half years later, I graduated with my bachelor's degree from Cal State LA in social work. And I graduated in June. My parents sent me on a month-long train trip on Amtrak. I got to choose wherever I was going. And so Anthony and I hung out on the train and went and visited a ton Maybe. of people. I didn't it know was that part. Amazing. It was, I actually did it when I got my associate's degree as well. So I have, the reason I've been to 49 states is because we took a ton of train trips and our rule was you had to flush a toilet or make a purchase in a state in order to count it. So we did a lot of running to toilets. <laughs> it was fun. 
with a three-year-old the first time and a six-year-old the second time. I came back from that, uh, that trip. My mother had, the deal was I went to school and showed her my report card. I went full-time and got decent grades and she would pay my rent. But I got back from that trip and got a 30-day notice. And <laughs> she said, you have 30 days to get a job and find yourself a new apartment. And I did. And I got a job at St. Anne's where I worked for 14 years. Um, well, over 13 years. So. so you went from being one of the pregnant moms to being their social worker. Yes, kind of. Yes. Wow. So in the year, so I was, I lived there in 1990 and, um, and it, at the time they had broken ground to uh, expand their services. And they realized at the time that there were 96 pregnant women, but that there was such a need that many of the women who were there, uh, you could be there voluntarily, which I was there voluntarily, or you could be in the system and placed there by your social worker or your probation officer. Mm. They realized at the time uh, then that there were so many moms who had no place to go. So they shifted their, in 90, they broke ground. And in 1992, they opened what became St. Anne's group home, which then became, uh, there were 24 pregnant women and then 36 teenagers with their children. And then they had six rooms that were available for moms with two kids. So it, the numbers were still 96, but it was a different breakdown. And so by the time I went back there to work, I, it was a very different, um, a different scenario, but still a fascinating one where I loved spending my time. And even though we were sponsored by a Catholic organization, we were still funded. We were a vendor of the county uh, servicing uh, social work, well, foster care and probation youth. So we weren't allowed to, you know, be all faithy, which <laughs> I'm not like a beat someone down with my faith kind of story, but you couldn't use faith. And I realized that for so many of the wonderful women I worked with, without a sense of hope in something that they had not yet seen, which is kind of what faith is, mm. um, they couldn't even imagine themselves living a life that was different than they had experienced themselves. And so I wrestled with this amazing work um, and amazing relationships. And I still have some, which don't tell anybody because I'm not supposed to, but um, you know, I have these, these relationships with people that, that were transformative. And yet I still felt like, well, God was still nudging me. So to be into you ended up going to Princeton, <laughs> which just like how <laughs> were you just like, I just, I'll just, I think I'll just probably just go to an Ivy League school, just sort of round out yeah. my education. I didn't even know where Princeton was. So uh, when my son was 17 and I was 34, I had what I like to call my halfway to midlife crisis crisis, where I realized that I had never been a parent I had never been an adult that wasn't parenting a minor child. And my son was about to go into a senior year of high school. And I was like, what the world am I going to do with my life? And so I signed up for spiritual director, which I guess is the better pathway than many other alternatives that I could have used as a coping mechanism at the time. Um, and in talking with her and sharing with her that I had experienced this call to ministry, but it, God, every excuse. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about 
whatever. I'm a single, how many single or women, single moms do you see in ministry? And yeah, uh, <laughs> or women just in general. Right, right. Um, and, and through wrestling with her and, you know, I, I came to the conclusion that I was supposed to look at it and she's the one that suggested it. I'm like, well, where is Princeton? I don't know. And I looked at a number of schools, including Duke and, uh, what having been, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, I didn't make the list. Um, it ultimately ended up being for me, a matter of four things. One, I had done undergrad while working 30 hours a week at Wells Fargo Bank and raising a child on my own. So it wasn't an immersive experience at all. It was how many plates could I keep spinning in one air and still survive survive with a child who was still living. Um, <laughs> and, and, and he did. Woo-hoo. So um, I wanted an immersive experience. And so when I looked at schools, Fuller, um, Duke, Drew, and Princeton, Princeton had, like, they require that you are full-time. You, there's no commuting. There's no anything right, like yeah. that. And they're so well-endowed that it made it financially. So well-endowed. That's the first time I've heard it in this, uh, uh, you know, that's cool. uh, well-endowed. Josie, do you know what that means? I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I have no idea. (laughs) (sighs) It it made going to school so affordable because I got a 90% tuition uh, scholarship, which meant that basically I was paying like $1,100 a year for tuition for full-time seminary. I mean, housing and room and board and all that stuff was above and beyond that. Um, But they had that. It was an immersive experience. It was, um, though I had been to many, many states, and other countries as well. I had never lived farther than eight miles from the hospital in which I was born in Pasadena. And so I thought my son's in college or not. And uh, it's my opportunity to like, if I have a four, three year opportunity to go live somewhere else, let's go live somewhere else. And oh, Claremont was the other school I looked at, obviously. Mm, right. <laughs> and, um, and then they had a dual degree program, which meant I could get my master's of divinity and my master's in Christian education, specializing, specializing in youth and young adult ministries with the Reverend Dr. Kenda Dean, who is a United Methodist elder, which in, in Methodist world means she's ordained. And, um, and she's phenomenal. So I love, I wanted to go study under her. And all of those reasons made it the place I went to New Jersey. And it was great. It was fantastic. I was so glad that you just told your whole story because I think uh, so often we, especially women, I think sometimes we're told our stories are kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like tell your story, know your story. Right. But at the same time, I don't think we always realize how much our story creates the narrative that we live out of or how we are. And you are one of the biggest space makers I've ever met and that you're always looking to like make room for other people. And I think it's partly because your story is one where you had to kind of make space for yourself. Like, okay, well now what am I going to do? Well, now what am I going to do? Well, now what am I going to do? Like you're, you're a little bit like uh, my Josie, who's uh, very entrepreneurial because you've had to figure out in this world, how do you do this thing? If no one is going to create this for me, 
how do I make a space that's safe, not just for myself, but for my child, for, um, for other people. And then all of a sudden it's just a part of who you are. So thank you for sharing your incredible story. Um, Josie, do you have any questions? Cause I have so many. I mean, I have a million. Um, I mostly am just very excited because I'm actually very passionate about foster care and um, because I don't plan on birthing children. Um, I plan on adopting <laughs> like 10 from the foster care system. Uh, <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, I think your resilience comes from being an Angelino. Not, that's all I'm going to say. There you go. Uh, she is such an LA fan. If you, <laughs> it's funny because you've, you did uh, work so hard to make a life for Anthony and then to figure out a life for yourself. Um, how do you feel like that has played a role in ministry? Um, how do you feel like your story has been folded in to your ministerial positions? You're welcome guys, ministerial, big word today. <laughs> I have to live up to that, huh? Um, it's not hard to live up to my words. They're real small usually. <laughs> I think that, I think that all of my life experiences, I mean, in, in so many that aren't even named, um, have really helped me to understand that even when your life looks put together on the outside, that doesn't always mean it is on the inside. And so to know that uh, there's more to one's story than the outer shell or the cover, right? Don't judge a book by the cover. Um, but I do judge wine by its bottle. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, I, and I think that having gone through so many difficulties, I mean, don't get me wrong. I My mom worked her tail off as a single mother to afford me living in a community that was you know, off afforded me extracurricular activities. And yet I faced a lot of challenges and, and it was not always safe for me and when I was a child. And so knowing those, having had those experiences helps me to maybe listen a little bit more to what happens between the lines mm. than what happens in the lines. And it, it also gives me empathy for people, I think, I think that's a, a, you know, you talk about your mentor, the the guy that um, kind of helped you sort of see yourself, right? Like, oh, mm -hmm. I am capable of doing what he's doing and his empathetic way. Um, so often I think you can tell someone has gone through something by their ability to be empathetic with others. And I actually prefer people with a backstory um, because it, it, not that you have to struggle, but I've found so often I'll meet people and be like, oh, there's something more to them. Right. Um, we have a, a, a dear friend, Mandy, who actually has already been on the podcast. And Mandy is one of these she people is. that people would say, man, she just has it all together. But her story is also one of deep struggle and, um, just like holy wrestling with life and, um, and I would rather, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I would just rather be surrounded by people like that. Um, because their ability to be present to me and their ability for me to be 
learn how to be present with others. I just feel like it's so key in that empathetic piece, you know? But I think that's a key to like your resilience, Kathy, as, um, I mean, I also grew up in an unsafe environment and a lot of times I think, wow, if I was uh, slightly <laughs> different, I could either have like just really fallen apart or I could have been a real big bitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but by the grace of God, Josie's not a uh, big bitch. <laughs> just, a, just a little bitch, just a little one. Um, because I, we talk about empathy and we talk about how people with like the hardest lives are the most empathetic, but that does not always have to happen True. that way. You're right. You're right. It's a choice. So mm -hmm. I think it's a, I think it's a beautiful thing that you have turned your whole story, your whole life into not only one career, but two careers of helping people in very tangible and real ways, as opposed to, you know, posting graphics on Instagram to inspire people, you know, not that that's bad. Not that we're against that. Yeah, there's we're actually nothing for wrong that. with that either. Right. You know, yeah. it's interesting because I think I could have gone in two very clear directions and there's actually a interesting story that I actually thought, should I share this here or not? Because I don't know that I've shared it in any sort of then that means yes. at all. <laughs> just, um, we're not trying to take advantage to share it. <laughs> I think so. Um, you know, I, I said I had taken the California high school proficiency exam before I got pregnant. That wasn't a response to being pregnant and wanting to do something well. I had, uh, well, I, I, I had, a, I had trouble attending classes when I was in school and same. And, uh, so <laughs> I never missed a class cause I'm a spent, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I spent some time at, at, uh, continuation high school. What? And <laughs> this is like what I'm telling you. The woman is an onion. Keep going. So I made friends with someone I'll call Sheila. And I hope I can remember that name because that's not her real name. Um, and hung out with her and then had another friend who, and we would hang out with her. And she wasn't always responding to life in the most safe ways. And so she would use drugs and um, like cocaine and Fancy literally drugs. Fancy drugs, yes. seriously yeah, she grew up she, she lived in san marino oh so she's so, super bouge i don't even so, know what that means but i know when josie does this with her face that this is like a bougie place san marino it, is like the it, wealthiest part of yeah. okay. los angeles san wow. Valley. San yeah Valley for sure yeah um it means that while she was troubled her she had lots of expendable money to spend and uh not some great supervision. And so my other friend and I went to her house one night and I had the day before been on the phone with my friend telling her that, oh my gosh, I think I'm pregnant. And her mom was listening on the phone and called my mom. My mom found out that I might be pregnant and went and bought a pregnancy test. So I'm with uh, my friends, Bonnie and Sheila at Sheila. Sheila's house. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Sheila is like, hey, do you want to do some? Now she'd always asked if we, as if we wanted to do them, do the drugs, do do, do cocaine. Do the drugs. And we were <laughs> like, drugs. no. That sounds Sorry. like me talking about drugs. The drugs. <laughs> what are the drugs? <laughs> I don't know. And so, and um, uh, Bonnie said, yes, actually, I do this time. And Sheila was like, hey, what about you? And I was like, I have to go home and take a pregnancy test. But if it's negative, I'll come back and I'll do them with you. And I went home and took the pregnancy test and was appalled that it was positive. I mean, not appalled. I was shocked because I really didn't. It's okay to be appalled. 
it, yeah, it was, it was, but the, I didn't get to go back. And uh, Bonnie, <laughs> my friend Bonnie is no longer living. And that's mm. an example of where I could be right now had I not had divine intervention and found out. Anthony, you saved your mom's life. So he did. good job, Anthony. He did. And I'm not positive. I've told him that story. So I should probably tell him that before this uh, goes live. Comes out. Hey, um, Anthony, did you know that you're the reason I didn't do cocaine? Right. <laughs> also, I just want to say that when I, so as an RA at Duke, um, so that I could afford going to my very expensive graduate school. And I, uh, the first time I heard about students using cocaine, my reaction was, I'm sorry, you can afford cocaine. <laughs> that was my reaction. Yeah. <laughs> Instead yeah. of like, uh -huh. don't use right. drugs, kids. My, my shock was who uses, what is this, the set of like, what is, this is not reality who can afford cocaine and that was the same day and from the same group of girls that i overheard a girl saying oh my god i have to get a new tutor because i accidentally slept with mine and i without skipping a beat like turned and looked at her i was like how is that an accident what kind of slipping and falling is happening where you accidentally slept with your tutor <laughs> and that was the same group of girls that were like yeah like they were using cocaine and i just wasn't into it that night and i was like who can, like literally who can afford cocaine because it's not me <laughs> and I've not seen a call. And I was a sorority girl. I'd seen them some things, but I had not seen girls using cocaine until Duke. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, and I think some of my experience too, though, helped me like, so it, both of those friends of mine and myself, like there, there was so much um, identity twisting and denying mm -hmm. and and so much pain and, and how you respond to your pain is, is definitely impacted by the financial, you know, support you have. And so if you have money to afford cocaine while you go to Duke, or if you have the money to afford cocaine while you're in continuation high school, whatever. Um, but like knowing, knowing that had that test not been positive, I would have gone back and been a part of that gives me a different, um, a different perspective, less judgment, more empathy in that. I mean, I could have next t-shirt, less judgment, <laughs> more empathy. You did go t-shirt for yes. us. <laughs> the moment. That wasn't even a goal of mine, but it is now. It just I've happened. It. Now you got your own t-shirt. Congrats. Now you got a there you go. There you go. I mean, it, like having almost slipped in there. I, again, I don't know how you make those mistakes, but having having almost walked that line makes it, I'm much more aware that in that time when you're unsure and the world is telling you that you need to numb or forget or ignore or hide or, um, or that your experiences, no matter what they are, don't have value, the response that we have as people is to deal with that. And it's so easy. I mean, and now, hello, pandemic. It's so easy to, to need to numb and to need to, um, to find unhealthy ways to cope because we are so in this like dog eat dog world where, you know, you're comparing yourself against someone else. You're comparing your story. You're, you're comparing your 
t-shirts, I don't know, you're comparing whatever to one another, although ours is the best, um, that, that living up to that while carrying the burdens of knowing people who have suffered mm -hmm. and died and whose uh, children are, I mean, the opioid yeah. overdoses right now have skyrocketed. I mean, people need to know that they are loved and that they belong. Otherwise, they're going to go find belonging in some in drugs Sheila. or some, <laughs> in Sheila, that's right. So it's, it's all a part of like how we, how we engage the world is, is it matters. Okay. And how we engage those who we don't think we're like matters. Sorry. No, I just, I mean, you're one of my dearest friends and yet I'm always inspired by our conversations. You have such an incredible story, but it's not just that you have an incredible story. You have an incredible way that you've been in the world. Because like I said, you are a space maker without even knowing you're doing it. I mean, you literally brought me Thanksgiving dinner when I was isolated because I had COVID and nobody wanted to be around me. And it's not their fault, but they were enjoying their Thanksgiving. And that's the hard part about being single uh, during the time of pandemic is when you get sick, you are all alone. And I think you, your story and the way you've chosen to live it out has meant that you are constantly aware of the person who feels like they are alone. Um, and I'm and until I bought a house with my mother, <laughs> I'm a single woman who's been alone since it's forever. True. So it's yes. True. So we have a final question. Tonight? Okay. Are you ready? I am bum, ready. Bum, bum. If you can think of one tangible way um, for someone else to make space, either for themselves or others, what is one way that you would suggest that people make space? You know, I've listened to so many of your podcasts and I didn't <laughs> prep, I didn't prepare this answer for myself. That's okay. Um, I, that was a fail on my part. I think that making space for yourself and others. Or means, just one or the other. Or, or either. A lot of that has to do with setting aside expectations and whether that is oftentimes, at least for me, it's expectations that others have. Um and I'm not good at setting aside other people's expectations of me. Um, but I think setting that aside and, and figuring out what it is, we all have something to share with the world that is beautiful. And if we set other people's expectations aside enough to figure out what that is, it will automatically make space both for ourselves and for others. Okay, miss, I didn't prepare for the test. <laughs> whatever <laughs> I know that was amazing that was a really great answer well friends thank you um so much for joining us Kathy where can people find your sermons or where can they find you do you have a social media presence is there anything you'd like to share um work that you'd like to share what would you like to share well uh I I'm terrible with social media though I'm better with Instagram um I, my sermons are available on, I pastor the, whoops, I pastor the University United Methodist Church in Irvine. So our website is uumcirvine.org and our YouTube channel is, 
I'm pretty sure it's UUMC Irvine or University <laughs> United Methodist Church Irvine. And you can find it through our website. For It'll sure. be in our show notes. There you go. And our, it, our Facebook live feed goes there as well. And, and I'm Kat, the number four aunt on Instagram. <laughs> well, it has been a joy to be with you, uh, Kathy. Um, you can find us at Making Spaces Podcast on all the social medias. Um, you can email us actually at Making Spaces Podcast at Gmail, or is it just Making Spaces? Making Spaces Podcast at Gmail. Um, you can also grab our merch. This is a new thing at Society Six, and it's Society is spelt out, and then it's the number six, and then it's slash making spaces podcast um you can find all kinds of great stuff uh you can find us on youtube right now you have to look up if you you'll the only way you could type it in would be to like look it up through making spaces podcast and either my personal youtube will come up or our if we can get 150 people to subscribe we can actually change the name of our youtube so help us get there the other way you can help us is to subscribe or leave a comment or leave us a voicemail anything else i'm missing josie uh no you can find sarah at rev sarah heath on instagram you can find me at josie takes the world and we have a new website too making spaces podcast.com that's new story and, and our patreon. patreon tell them about the patreon so we have a patreon now where you can give us money but we'll give you stuff in return like for five dollars a month you'll get quarterly eight by ten prints originals not uh, of us of our little sayings keep going right uh for ten dollars you get something else that's cool that i'm not remembering but you also get everybody gets access to cool zoom meetings and that's whatever we decide to do but if you give us 25 dollars a month if you're a big spender you get a quarterly space makers merch box with it's mystery merch Ooh. so excited our partners are great that's gonna be I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, tool stuff. There's all kinds of fun stuff coming out. Um, hey, we will catch you next week where we will be saving a space for you. Thanks Bye. so much, friends. Bye.